We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, on behalf of the Arsenal Vision podcast members, I apologize for the following. It's going down. I'm yelling timber. It's going down. He signs tonight. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, the Black Man Twitter Yankee Hunter. Hello, everybody. Yeah, I mean, that song's going to get a lot of play when this thing gets announced, and I think it may be imminent. I don't know if it'll get signed tonight, but that just kind of rhymed. It's going down. I'm yelling timber. There's a song. You can look it up. I'm not saying it's a good one. I'm just saying it is one, and it has those words, and you're going to hear hear them a lot, I imagine, over the next few days. It is transfer season, which means we will do transfer talk. However, the transfer talk is missing an incredibly important ingredient, and that is transfer news. There's not a ton of it. Um, There's the Timber News, as I referenced, and we want to get to that. But so, in an effort to shape a conversation that will interest you, I have asked you, at least those of you who are silly enough to be on Twitter or Discord, uh, to provide some questions and questions you have provided. So we're going to do a bit of a transfer mailbag today. Now, the cool thing about that is it will cover all the latest news and topics. It'll just be guided by your, let's just say, preternatural instincts to understand the beating pulse of the transfer uh, zeitgeist. So we're on it. We're on it. We're happy you're here. Love you so much. Hope you had a great weekend. I did yard work, literally um, the definition of punishment for me. Like, like that's that's as bad as it gets. So that's the mindset I'm in right now. Um, I will let you know that Clive is on holiday. Now, I don't remember getting the PTO request. I don't remember approving the PTO request. But, you know, being that he's the big star and we picked the green M&Ms out of the bowl for him, I suppose he can go on holiday. He's deserved it. He's gone with his missus. And I hope he has a lovely time in Spain. Um, Clive discovered the margarita earlier this year, and I imagine there will be more in his future. So we wish him well. Uh, in the meantime, we have excellent people here to discuss your transfer questions. One of them is Paul. You can find him on Twitter. Pause my pants. Hello, pause. Woohoo! Let's do this. You can't have so both. You've combined you both. Can't, you can't have both. And then, and also to to Don Clive. Hello, Don Clive. Because I know Don Clive will be listening in, sipping Margar- a margarita. He will be listening in. Let's try to infuriate him as much as possible with our answers. Um, and here with me now is Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Stillmanator. Hello, Tim. 
Hello there. Yeah. Uh, hello, indeed. So, so basically, just as a quick overview of where we are in the state of play right now, um, Jurian Timber or Jurian Timber looks like he's going to sign. We did a uh, scouting video for him, by the way, on Patreon. That's there. Oh, I should just mention because Matt Giant Gunner did this, and the work he put in is phenomenal, and it deserves a mention. An eighty-four slide deck that he built of really non-public, in-depth data about the team and the players. We broke it into two parts. There's a team data review. There's a player data review. The player data review includes Rice and Havertz in it. Both of those are up on Patreon now as video and audio. And I wanted to mention it because the amount of work Matt put in is just extraordinary, and he deserves the credit, uh, the the just credit that that his work uh, comes with. So let's start with uh, the question that I think is on everybody's lips or fingertips, given that they're not actually speaking it, they're typing it. I'll start with Ben Butcher 8 in the Discord uh, over on Patreon, who asks, Tim, what does the timber move mean for Ben White? Who do you think mm-hmm. starts versus Forrest? <laughs> I, I think this is a fascinating question, because for me, I see timber as a really positive, exciting signing with a lot of versatility, but it does beg the question, not beg the question, that's the wrong use of that. It does raise the question of how this impacts some of the other uh, players in our tr- standard defensive rotation. So what do you think? How would you answer that question and and expand on it as as usual? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think really at face value, it looks like backup for Ben White. Maybe he, I, I haven't ever watched uh, Timber play, but everything I've seen and heard, he sounds very Ben White-ish <laughs> to say the least. And of course, Ben White kind of, we, we still don't, well, I mean, because if Saliba's going to come back, you'd imagine Saliba, Gabriel, Ben White, that's going to be kind of first choice. I, I think it's less a question about Ben White individually and more about the whole picture. Because one of the things I know we've talked about over the last few weeks is we've all kind of thought we need another defender. And it's probably, we know Arteta has a type in defence now and, it's, and it is versatility. But for me, it was always going to be the question of like, what type of versatile defender? Is this going to be a guy that plays left back and right back and, uh, sorry, left back and left centre back or right back and right centre back? And it's right back and right centre back. So for me, like, yeah, that's that's a bit of challenge slash support for Ben White definitely and those are the kind of things we're going to have to do however good Ben White's been but it's more about the whole jigsaw because we talked at the end of the season about how he tested things like Partey at right back and I mean given the reports that we're willing to sell Thomas Partey and all of that I don't know whether the manager's mind was already made up or whether he wasn't impressed or you know he was just giving it a look to be sure but it kind of looks like he's thought no no I, I need someone here so I think we can assume it means that holding is surplus. Mm. Um, Kivior, it looks like he's keen on him as a left centre-back and a left-back. And considering he bought that player, I think he bought him with that in mind. I kind of think he'd already made his mind up that Kivior could play those positions. Uh, So I I think that potentially makes Tierney um, even more surplus to requirements. But for me, I guess it's more of a question... well, I don't think it's a question for Rob Holding. I think it just means we'll take an offer if we can get one. It's more like Tommy Asu, actually, um, and what where he fits into this whole jigsaw because really he can play all across the back line. But yeah, we've only ever really seen him play right back and left back. And if Kivior's in the in line for left back and Timber's in line for right back, and you know, it's 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 like. A, 
if you ask me just about Ben White, I'd say, yeah, that's that's challenge, that's backup, that's support, whatever you want to describe it as. But for me, I always felt we needed one more, basically, to push Rob Holding out the picture, if I'm being brutally honest. And I think yeah. Kivior pushed Tierney out the picture once and for all. And so it's, for me, the question's more about Tommy Asu. I'm fascinated to see how this whole jigsaw fits together because this is a really long way of saying, I don't know. Well, well done. You covered a lot of ground to get there, I guess. Um, well, it's interesting because one thing that I'm not hearing a lot, I, I do think it has ramifications for Zinchenko's role because I think Kivior can do some of what Zinchenko does, but with a little bit more of a robustness and defensive stability behind it. And if you think you want to play Havertz in the left eight, maybe you feel you need like a rice timber pivot behind it when we're in our 3-2-5. Now, when we're in our 4-4-2 low block or mid block, he can drop into fullback, but he can step in next to Rice, do some of the Zinchenko stuff. Now, look, no one does the Zinchenko stuff quite at his level in terms of volume of passing, progressiveness of passing, security of passing. I mean, when we did the team data review, Zinchenko is the leader for us in basically moving the ball from the first third or middle third into the final third, progressing it up the pitch. But like, I do, I do think that there's something to that. And I think there's something to that because it's backed up by the fact that we wanted, I think legitimately wanted, Lissandro Martinez last season, uh, last summer. And you can't look at the Timber data and the Martinez data and the two players and the fact they both played Ajax and played in a similar role at Ajax and, and you know, both a, a little on the smaller side for a center back, but a lot of range of mobility and not see... That this feels a little bit, I mean, I guess you could not see it. I may be putting two and two together and getting 22, but it feels like a continuation of the interest of that type of player. Um, and so I do wonder if there's repercussions for Zinchenko, which leads to a question that uh, Gronin Gunner has on Discord, and we'll switch over to some Twitter questions in a moment here. Paul, how many minutes do you think we'll see from Timber next season, assuming we sign him? I think we will sign him. And when does he start? What do you think the rest of our back four will look like? Straight swap for White or Saliba? Or does Zinchenko come out, to my point? So first, give me sort of a prediction on minutes and the, and the the types of games he's playing. You know, is it just cups? Is it rotational stuff when someone's injured? What are the minutes? What's he playing? And and who is he coming in for when he does? Uh, that's a really good question. I think we probably need to rethink minutes Um because it's been a while since we've had to factor in Premier League and Champions League minutes and having a good go in the Cup. Um, really, the only minutes we've played about, worried about for a little while is uh, Premier League minutes. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of... It's going to feel like we have too many players at the start of the season, and a lot of, a lot of players within the squad are going to feel a little bit left out of things when things start, and I think he would... He may have a somewhat frustrating first six months or first half of the season, and a lot of people looking to see him play might be a little frustrated. They're not seeing enough of him. Um, but as we've seen, it's just a different world when you get into the run-in. Suddenly you have too few players, and the only way to solve that problem is to load up early on. Um, so it could be a while before he really starts to get consistent time, consistent minutes, and earns his starts. Um, but uh, and I think we'll want to go strong in the Champions League with 
could be we could be a little frustrated in how slow it is before we start to rotate in the way we think we should be able to rotate because Arteta is still going to want to keep the level of performance in the key competitions early on and transitioning into more rotation-y stuff. So the question was how many minutes in the Premier League? Um, he might be around the 1500 mark, um, which is not a lot, but, but it's still significant. 15 to, you know, 15, 1800 minutes. Um, but in the other competitions, starting to ramp up, it, it, you know, he'll, he'll play a lot this season, but across four, four competitions, I mean, he's going to have to displace somebody. Ben White is never injured. Um, so it's basically when Saliba's not playing and Saliba's going to want to play in the Champions League and we're going to want to play him in the Premier League. So it may be a little while before. Uh, I mean, I love what I've seen of him. He's an absolute baller. Zinchenko's likely to be fit at the start of the season. It's going to be the second half of the season where he can really get his claws into something. He'll want to be a starter, but... I don't think that's realistic till the second half of the season. Can I um, just come in on that? Because uh, I I think one of the things I'm fascinated about is how we do rotation. Because the way Mm. um, actually kind of Pep does it at Man City, it's not even like short rotation game to game. What he tends to do is when he sits a player down, he sits them down for two or three months almost. Like you get someone like Phil Foden, who at the beginning of last season was playing every game and then bang, you're out. Um, kind of th- like for two, three months, and then you come back in. Like that's kind of been Pep Guardiola's approach to rotation. I'd be interested to see. We might do something like that. We might play Timber for like Ben White at the beginning for three months. It might get to November, and we just say, do you know what? You're going to sit down till like February now. Just a just an idea. Yeah, possible. Um, well, uh, so I'm going to add answer- a quick yep. thought on that. Yeah, please do. Please do. Mm-hmm. Which is. Uh, you know, Tim makes an astute point. And while he's making it, uh, I get my own kind of flash of maybe this is an astute point. Uh, Pep tends to I'll, do I'll it. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pep tends to do it in, it feels like in pairs. It's not like he looks at this player is going to get a run for a while. It, it's like he'll change something in in the way he configures the system. So it's two or three players who are doing something different or are not in the squad or they come in together. You know, the the two wide players are a pair and the other two wide players that come in are a pair. So it's not even... Uh, obviously, he has instances where he's changing one players, but it's very s- systematic rather than I play this guy or I don't play this guy. That's, that's my view of it. it. It tends to be a tweak in how he's playing and a guy's out for a while and then he's in for a while. And it'll be interesting to see if now that Arteta has options, you, you can see why he'd bring in a timber, but that has implications for the other side, etc. So it'll be interesting to see what those pairs are that come in as pairs over time or for games. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that that was good. I think that was a good thought. I, I evaluate that positively. Okay, Paul, well done. Um, I'm going to answer a couple quick ones here. And then uh, I have one that I'm pretty fascinated in that, that I'll throw over to you, Tim. So firstly, Perry Fi at Perry Fi 24 on Twitter says, did you see the Smith Rowe goal against Israel? Also, did you notice how huge he is? I'm excited for his upcoming season. So I will answer this by saying, yes, I saw it. Great goal. 
I did notice how huge he is. I've noticed this for a while. It is a really fascinating situation with Smith Rowe because I can't think of a player who physically has changed so much from the time he broke into the team and became the exciting sort of future star along with Saka to the time now that we're hoping he will come back into the team. And Kai Havertz left eight. One of the things he brings is a six foot four wiry frame, but a six foot four frame and and some size. I mean, if that's important to us in that position, Smithrow has certainly grown into it. It could be a very exciting season. Obviously, fitness always the, the caveat with him, but his his size has changed so much that I just wonder what his game is going to look like. I'm excited to see a preseason with him. And I think it's probably, if you said whose preseason is most important, it's probably his. Because I think we will get a very good picture of where he's viewed in terms of role and how he's adapting to this, this new frame. But I, I, I think he's a very exciting player. I mean, maybe he will grow into being a different position altogether. I mean, could you see Smith Rowe being a striker, a certain type of striker? Some, I could see it. I don't know if he has that kind of game, but we're going to find out. Um, I want to also answer this question quickly from Matt at AFC Matt. What are your opinions on modern day transfer reporting in general? I think it's very overly saturated and can make people very angry. No, that part's ridiculous. I've never seen anybody react that way. Uh, Because we can get updates, which aren't major updates. This is such a good point. If you are on Twitter in particular, but really anywhere, any of the social media channels, platforms, or or even just browsing for headlines on on news. I remember when News Now was the way you had to do that. The amount of updates versus the amount of information carried by the updates uh, has a massive asymmetry. First of all, I, I, I think Fabrizio Romano does a great job. No, no criticism. I do need to know what's going on with the word concrete with him. We need to have an intervention on the word concrete. Uh, that one's getting rolled out a lot, especially when nothing concrete is being reported. But like, there definitely is a dynamic that's going on here, which is the number of updates and the fact that they come every 20 minutes make creates the simulacrum of movement and momentum. There's no actual movement or momentum, but there's a simulacrum of movement and momentum, which leads people to think, why aren't Arsenal doing anything? Why aren't we doing anything? You know, we're, we're not doing anything. We're, 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 we're sitting still. We're, guys, we could have Timber, Havertz, and Rice before the end of June. Before the end of June, the, Europe hasn't opened its transfer window yet. But because, think of the number of updates you've seen even by, before you've listened to this podcast today. And it creates the sense that there's momentum. And as Tim has typed into the chat, and I totally agree, transfer info is a dopamine hit. And a lack of dopamine drives irrational behavior. Exactly. So the anger comes from reacting to two things. One, updates that just may be wrong. Maybe not, not just guesswork, but literally 180 degrees diametrically opposite of the truth. When DeMarzo tweets that Rice will accept a city offer and city are close, I mean, that could be literally the opposite of the truth. But we we let it play into the biases and fears that we have about the club. And then the other thing is just, we haven't done anything. Why are we sitting on our hands? People are acting like we've moved slowly in the Rice saga. We've put in two 90 million total comp bids before the end of June. We're trying to complete our record ever signing before the end of June. Once upon a time, we got Mesodozal on deadline day. Now we're wrapping up three signings, all three of whom would be our record transfer before the Pepe deal. All three, Tim or N. White and that's If you go back before the Pepe summer, every single player we're signing this summer would have broken our transfer record. And we're going to sign them all before the end of June. So I, I think the pace and f- frenetic 
uh, quality of the way these updates come has distorted the the lens that we view through. And to be fair, Edu needs to stop posting pictures of himself living his best life on social media. Like that, that's not helping anybody. <laughs> Optics, my friend. You know, would it kill you to take a picture in a dimly lit, right, fluorescent lit with one of the with one one of the bulbs flickering office with no windows, with five empty cups of coffee and three phones up to your ear and two fax machines? Just post those on social media. Honestly, then you can go back out and jump in the pool and do a cannonball and drink a a drink with a with a umbrella in it just post a couple pictures in a dimly lit office for people to calm them down because i mean you know i'm i'm glad he's living his best life i want everybody to live their best life but don't post it on social media um and and tim has typed in the chat again it is his wife's instagram that is a good point um and it is a little concerning that that instagram is what people are um are are trolling but you know it's it's okay she Eddie, she can- she needs better advisors yeah pa- paul weigh in on this please yeah, look, I have strong feelings on this, and they're different feelings. And my feelings are, I think the transfer news these days is excellent. Like, we all remember what it was like 10 years ago, 8 years ago. It was well, we all nothing. shite. It was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was all made up. Now the problem is, the sources are really, really fucking good. I can't believe it. Um. Like, there's a hierarchy and there's a tier and there's like a whole bunch of, like, the way they quote some fellow off talk sport or some guy you've never heard of as if, like, like there's a need for stuff. But if you look at your tier ones, you're, and like, it, it seems weird to say, but Fabrizio and co, I mean, they're very, very, very good. Yes. They just are. And, um, and I make one point, though, and, and I'll let you come back on this. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff, but there's a lot of pointless awful stuff that either is not actually updating anything or isn't accurate and so you need to be better you need a skill you maybe didn't need in the past or maybe you did but it was just a lower volume you need to be really yeah. good at filtering and that's yeah. not yeah everybody's going to have a different ability to filter you know sure but i'm comparing it to how it was a decade ago when it was all shite you had no clue it was nothing but rumor um, and now, yeah, you need a little bit of experience filtering who's who and, and Twitter itself and, and the community kind of filters it. So you have a really good idea of what we're working on and what we're not and what other clubs and what they're doing, what they're not doing, what the price, what the fee is and what the, the wage is as much as you can know in this day and age in terms of, you know, what a guy comes in for 100k a week what's that really mean is it do, what are the incentives in there etc but in the ballpark you're basically about you're about where it is that wasn't how it was 8 10 15 20 years ago with with uh, all the tabloid stuff all the shite all the itks all the itks in many ways have just disappeared from view and it's there's a filtering that the guys talking towards the top are pretty good and the other thing I would say is I don't have a problem with the fact that it's the same news every day for a few days because that's actually reflections of reality. What what did we think? It's on, it's off, it's up, it's down. Like an update that not much has changed, that the rice thing is still where it was, is an update. That's, that's sometimes true. that's how it moves. Um, and so it's more about us than about the news. I think it's pretty fucking good. 
Tim, I don't want to spend too much time on this beyond this, but I, I do think it is important only because I think it leads to, first of all, actual emotional impact for people. There are people that are really emotionally invested in this, as they should be. They care about the club. They care about the signings. But the pace with which these updates come can drag people around and, and lead to reactions that I, I think range from really thoughtful to hysterical, and I've been certainly guilty of both myself. I think... First of all, finding the people you trust and following them, following their updates is a really important way to do this. But I think I think Paul's absolutely right. We have more information and more good information than we've ever had. But along with that, we have the sort of no update update. And I think what it's meant to do is it it's it's the drug dealer making sure you don't miss, you know, miss one of your doses, right? It's like I don't want you to go two days without an update because then you may start to realize you don't need to be updated all the time. So I'm going to put that tweet out that says talks progressing and feeling is concrete bid will come in next few days. You know, that's not an update really. And it may, it may be true, but it's the cadence of them to keep you hooked in. And, and I, I just wonder what the impact is on how people evaluate how the club are moving, the deals we're doing. I mean, sometimes I think people would rather we sign you know, I, I think people just want us to do something, but then you look at the calendar and you're like, the European window isn't even open yet. It's just crazy, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's one of those weird things. I try not to be too judgmental because, like, I, I've, like, everyone likes, tra- I, I like transfers in terms of, like, trying to work out what it means for the team, like having that conversation about Timber and where's Havertz going to play and all of that. Yeah. The actual like transfer side of transfers, the admin, the negotiator, like I've got no, I've just got, a, I've just got no interest in it at all. And I don't judge anyone that has, I don't doubt, you know, people possibly in their jobs or whatever, do, like do deals or something, or they're in sales or something and, and have some kind of sense of the rhythm. I've never done anything like that. Don't have any IQ for it whatsoever. Mm. So like, I've got no opinion on like how much we should bid for Declan Rice and all of that. I don't even know how much money Arsenal have got anymore. So like, I'm like, I don't even have like a vague command. So, but at the same time, I do get taken a back a bit sometimes about how intensely people um, experience it. And I try and like, again, in trying not to be judgmental, I think, is this what like my friends who don't like football look at me and go, why do you do this, man? <laughs> like, Why do you get up at five o'clock in the morning? And why do you like attach? Why do you like, why do you have to watch the game? To- that, that's another one I get. Like you went to the game. Why have you got to watch the highlights and all of that? And it's just like, <laughs> And and that's that's a perfectly logical question for someone who doesn't like football. I disagree. Like, it's like because it 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 grabs you like emotionally, and you want to see it from different angles. And so, you know, but like I am sometimes taken aback by the strength of it. Like when it kind of emerged last week that Manchester City, guess what, the best team in the world wants to sign one of the best players in the world. Like, and, and I understand the anxiety over that. Like, I, I want, I think Declan Rice is an amazing player. I really want him to come to Arsenal really think it'd be transformative but like I mean personally I, j- I just can't get there like I can't get to the kind of oh my god if this doesn't happen like Edu must go and, and all of this like but but like I say like I know I do that at football games and it's probably just as stupid and yeah. futile a thing to do like if this team scores from this corner I'm I'm gonna be 
unreasonably angry and all of that like so you know like i said i try not to be too judgmental but i think you're right about the kind of the drip drip um kind of element of it is and and obviously like all of like talk sport is on air like 24 hours a day sky sports news is on air 24 hours a day like they, they've got airtime to fill and there's no football happening so like that that's kind of why it happens i'd yeah. say like for a sane transfer experience, just look at David, like sometimes when it's all kicking off and I'm like, Oh God, like I might not have been online for a couple of hours and I'll go, Oh God, what's happened? What's happened? I always just go to David Ornstein's timeline <laughs> because like he doesn't yep. do the kind of preparing a bit. I mean, maybe a bit of that, but not every day. It's yeah. like, if you just go and look at his Twitter timeline now, it's all solid stuff. And like Declan Rice, he might not tweet about it for three or four days. And it's just like, bid's gone in, rejected. Bid's gone in, you know, Manchester City. Like, it's all just the... It's it's like reading the minutes of a meeting rather than going to the meeting. Yeah, I, I like to go to the Cornballer News Network in our Discord because I can just scroll through all of it. And I get a little bit of the silly stuff that maybe isn't well-sourced, but I like to kind of know what's in the ether uh, without the noise around it of the replies and the quote tweets and all that stuff. Um We'll move on from this topic, but I, I I do think one of the reasons that it results in the the kinds of reactions it does, not to say that there aren't hysterical reactions during the season about games, but games are tangible. You might dislike Granite Shack or love Granite Shack, but when the game kicks off, you can watch the game he's having and you can have an analysis of the performance he put in. Transfer moves are intangible, right? And so you can bring all your biases to the party about Adu or Mikel or the way the club operates. They're the best, they're the smartest, they're the worst, they're the dumbest, they're somewhere in between, whatever it is. And as an update comes in, you can choose to disregard the ones that don't confirm your biases and accept the ones that do. And, you know, it's it's very easy to, to retreat near corner because it's very intangible, right? No one can really prove we put a, you know, we put the right bit in. We should have done earlier. We didn't go early enough. We went too early. You know, it, it it's very easy to, to lean in your biases. But Tim, I want to stay with you yeah. On, a, on a, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just going to say, uh, I remember going years ago to a talk by uh, Alan de Botton, who some people might know. Um, but he, he talked about football and he said he, he believes that football is so popular. Just, I mean, this isn't a revolutionary comment, but because it's simple to follow, he's just like, you know, life gives you mystery, anxiety, dilemma. But he says you go and watch a football game or you watch on TV, you can see everything. You can see the ball, you can see the players, you can see all the main actors going up. Like nothing is hidden from you in a football game, basically. So he was saying like a big part of the popularity of the sport is that there's not actually, I mean, there's a bit of mystery. If you want to get into what the coaches are doing and why they're doing this and that, but actually very few people actually watch football like that. We're relatively rare. Most people just want to watch a football game and they want to see the ball kicked into the goal and you can enjoy it on and most people enjoy it on that level and so yeah that that's that's like the simple part of football this is why I think I don't emotionally connect with transfers because there's too much I can't see and that I don't know and therefore it's just a bit of a fog for me but anyway yeah. ask me the other question yeah so so this can, is what I ask can I make one last comment on that because I want to go so, back so, to because yeah, I think so it's I important. just want to let everybody know um we're just going to do the rest of the pod on transfer rumor culture and no actual <laughs> transfer news. So just stay with us for that. It's it's top tier content. Please go ahead. By the way, yeah. there is nothing more meta than we are doing a pod 
analyzing the <laughs> updates of people who update stuff. There's no updates, but we're not even giving you transfer rumors. We're giving you analysis of the way rumors are reported. It's some meta shit that we have dived into here. Please, Paul, continue. Indeed. Look, I think it's, it. again, all about us, not about the reporters. Because, like, if Tim likes Ornstein telling them what's going on every four or five days, that's fine, Tim. You do, Tim. But if I want to hear from Fabrizio that they're still talking about it in between, like if Tim was in a relationship, he would tell the person he was with that he loves them at, at the point at which he loves them. And then for the rest of their relationship, until he decides he doesn't love them, he will not tell them that he doesn't love them. Or maybe he loves them for the rest of their life together and he never tells them that again, even when the person dies on their deathbed. And Tim's like, just shrugs, like they say, do, do you still love me, Tim? And he just like shrugs his shoulders with a, I've already am, given you the last update. I, British. I'm British, so of course <laughs> I'm emotionally repressed. <laughs> I tried to beat you to it, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. Tim. I want to hear from Fabrizio, they're still talking. That's what I'm saying. If that's I, I true, right? Yeah. If it's filler, it's if it's nothing but filler. But All right, like, Paul, we get the point. We love you. You're a great Monday, podcaster. You're, you're doing a great yeah, sure. We, okay. We, we, we get it. We love you. You're a great podcaster. You're doing a great job. We'll continue to tell you this ad nauseum if you promise to stop actually contributing to the podcast. I'm kidding, but, but you know, just, just about that part. Uh, yes. Okay. So, uh, Tim, this, this one is fascinating to me. Elon Muskrat at Fearless Dr. Zijig. Anyway, he's at Fearless DRZ. JG uh, on Twitter. Chelsea won't do 80 million for Caicedo. Do we pivot to him from Lavia? What if it requires selling someone we want to keep in addition to party to make it work? What player would you offer? Who you're hoping to keep? ESR, Balogun? So there's a lot there. The thing I'm most interested in of that question is if Chelsea really seem to be digging their heels in over Caicedo, and I have to admit he's a player, just saying it for me now, direct all anger to me specifically, or Clive, he's on vacation. I think I rate Caicedo as highly as Rice. I might even, if no one's listening, might even prefer him. But, you know, don't tell anybody. Um, if Chelsea are really digging their heels in and we're being pushed over the 100 million mark and maybe beyond our comfort zone for Rice, he he asks, would you pivot from Lavia to Caicedo? I'll even ask it a step further. Would, would you pivot from Rice to Caicedo if that deal looks like it can get done? That's tricky because you could lose out on both. What's your... um? What's your thoughts on the Caicedo Chelsea situation and if there's a chance for Arsenal to come back in? Obviously, Rice plus Caicedo. I mean, that's the dream summer right there. I, I'm not mm -hmm. sure it can be done. What yeah, do you think? Yeah. So first of all, I'm a little bit dubious. I think this might be a bit of a a bit of a dance, as it were. I also think logistically speaking, Brighton probably tricky to deal with. Um Caicedo might even be tricky to deal with. By the way, can um, I can I just add one thing to your point about it being a dance? There is no funnier, more transparent briefing the media bullshit that I've seen. Like like the the most pathetic attempt to convince people of stuff that's not true than Manchester United saying, "Oh, we, we don't want Mount anymore. We're going for Caicedo." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, if I were yeah. Chelsea, I'd be like, oh no, now we're really scared. Okay, we'll give you out for less. Like, come on, guys, no one's buying that. Yeah, yeah so I, I think um, at the beginning of the summer, if you told me Caicedo for 80 million or Rice for 100 million, 
I'm probably go Caicedo for 80 million and use that, use that fine chunk of change on something else as well. Um, but, or, or even, you know, hold it back for another window. Uh, mm. you know, you, you can do that if you want. Some Ivan um, Tony money for January. Time. Yeah. Some well, Ivan yeah, Tony yeah, January we, we used to do it. Mm-hmm. We used to keep our powder dry. We kept our powder so dry that it evaporated <laughs> uh, <laughs> once upon a time. But that's 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 the thing you can do. But um, at this stage, with all the work that's gone in, like, and not just the work in terms of preparing a bid, launching a bid, all the other things that have to happen before you make a bid, um, pressing enter, you know, pressing send on the fax and all of that, like. It, it, it's probably, you know, I don't think it'd make a lot of sense to pivot at this stage. Also, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is, um, maybe this is some latent, uh, kind of unconscious or maybe even slightly conscious bias, but I just feel like with rice, if we get rice, we'll have him for at least four or five years. Mm. Whereas, um, Caicedo, um, and this isn't a criticism of him because he's he's Ecuadorian. Like, why the hell would he care which which yeah. like a uh, big European club he plays for? But you know, like, I feel like if we got Caicedo and in two years, you know, well, it's not going to be Barcelona because they're skin, but like Real Madrid or someone come in, then I, I feel like you're a bit more susceptible. Which isn't to take things for granted with Declan Rice. If we got Declan Rice and we were out of the Champions League for a couple of years, I'm sure we'd be vulnerable. But do you know what I mean? I feel mm. like that's more of a lock project signing. Also with Caicedo, I think the only slight... I mean, he hasn't done it for as long. Um, I, I'm less less worried about that. I kind of think that we're going to build the team to some extent around this piece. Mm. And I do think there's a personality element that comes into that as well. And to be fair, I don't really know that much about Caicedo's personality. I know he's a brilliant footballer, um, but do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know enough about the player to say, yeah, I, I'd like, I, I'd hang my hat on this guy as a, as a pillar part of the project. Whereas Probably just because I know him better, to be honest. I feel more that way about Declan Rice and about yeah. his leadership skills. He <clears throat> he certainly fits the group in the sense that he seems pretty pretty close to like Saka. There's a, there's a camaraderie there with some of the other English players. I do take your point that I think it is easier to keep English players at an English a big English club as opposed to you know some of the other players that that may be agnostic on where they play and if a big club comes in for them. Um, now that may not be the worst thing. If you can get a Caicedo for eighty and sell him for a one fifty down the road, then you know maybe you just strength strengthen from there. But I, I guess Paul, there is the potential you could say, well, what if we scupper the timber deal at the last minute, put that money plus a sale that maybe we weren't anticipating, maybe we go an extra sale, and and you get a Caicedo plus a rice. I mean, if Party and Shaka are going, I still maintain that it needs to be rice plus another. And rice plus Caicedo does it. Rice plus Lavia for me still leaves us maybe waiting for Lavia because I don't know if he's quite ready yet. He's 19. He needs to be playing, and I'm not sure he can play for us as much. So, like, is there any world where Chelsea's hesitance to go to the price Brighton want for Caicedo opens the door for us to do it? And how... How much do you think Arsenal should be looking at that if it's even humanly possible? In terms of footballers and talent, I'd be very happy with Caicedo uh, if we didn't get Rice. But I do think 
the reason we're going for Rice is not just uh, talent. It's the profile of the player, the stability, the leadership, and leadership on the pitch, like tangible with the ball, how we control games, how we manage games, how we manage seasons. Um, and Kai Sato has a youthful disposition about him. He's still I think young. he's very talented. I think he, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's 22. A- so. And yeah, and there's young and there's, there's youthful disposition. Like Saka plays like an old man. Uh, to some degree, Gabriel Martinelli plays like an old man. Uh, regardless of age, and, and like I think that's one of the things Smith Rowe has suffered from a little bit. He's actually he actually has the disposition of a guy his age, and he's maturing as he goes. And those guys kind of arrived pre-matured, pre-aged. Um, Caicedo just has like he'd be great if we if Rice didn't work out and we got Caicedo, still be fantastic. But what we might be a little light in the the gravitas on the pitch in game and across the season and in the dressing room. Um, but like uh, uh, what uh, one hell of a consolation prize. I definitely look, we g- we're getting Havertz and I think talking about pairs and players who comes, uh, come as pairs. And I think you may have said this on the, the Twitters or whatever, but I feel way better about Havertz plus rice than I do Havertz, plus most other players, because you're going to need to be tuned into a, a guy who's more about attack than he is doing the other stuff that a Xhaka would have given you dropping into the back line. So having plumped for Havertz, it's maybe a little cart before horse. You, you almost need to get rice before you buy Havertz, but that, that isn't the order the deals came to us in. Um, and I think with... Zinchenko tucked in behind Havertz so that the boat's jumping on loose balls that, that may pop around that area and, and Rice's discipline and ability to cover ground to mop up behind them and a three-man back line with Gabriel Magliesh uh, on the left side of a three, Saliba white to his right. Um, I think you got enough cover that that's going to work really well on the Havertz side. And yeah. with the, without that, you start getting into, well, some games this, but other games, not so much. No, I, I think the thing with Caicedo is, I think if you, if you were able to pivot off of Timber to Caicedo and find the extra money, because it's not a little bit of extra money, it's, it's, you're only halfway there with the Timber fee, right? Roughly, you need another 40. So, you know, you may have to do a deal, but let's say you're able to get party to move to Saudi Arabia, like, Maybe that's the money you weren't expecting that makes the difference because Caicedo can play right back. He can tuck in. He can do the role that we envisioned Timber doing. He also can be an elite central midfielder. You know, I think what happens when you spend big on transfers, history tells you they're a bit of a coin flip. There is a scenario where Rice isn't quite as good as we hope. I don't think there's a scenario where he's bad, which is a good thing. But I think there is a scenario where we may have overstated what, what he is. But I don't think there's a scenario where you get Rice and Caicedo and you don't have something really special. Right now, again, this is all a little bit fantasy because ultimately Chelsea probably get the deal done. But if they are digging their heels in, um, I think it's one we have to at least see if there's a way to pivot to. Um, Especially, especially if, and I don't believe this to be the case, if the rice deal is slipping away from us, I don't think it is. You got to be quick to take advantage of an opening if there is one um, with the other player. And that's really the key. I'll say it as clearly as this, you guys. There's no scenario for me where we end this summer without one of Rice or Caicedo 
and we've done our job. They're the, I know it's such a bad idea to lock into two players and think they're the only two players in the world you can get. I think they're the only two players in the world right now that I see. There are probably others, but I don't know who the heck they would be. We got to get one of those two players. We have to. We've, that, that is a position that has to be strengthened. It's got to be strengthened with talent ready to play today. It's got to be strengthened with players that have the experience in the Premier League is my view of it. You know, there are probably other players that are interesting. I, I don't know where they would come from. Let's do this. Let's firstly take a moment to think about, you know, we talked about a healthy approach to consuming your transfer news. And I want to pick Tim up on one point, though. He said, we once upon a time, we kept our powder so dry that it evaporated. I think technically you'd have to keep your powder wet for it to evaporate, um, just from a science standpoint, but that's another issue. Uh, okay. No, but- I think even if... Sorry, Elliot. Sorry, sorry. I got to pick you up on that. Even if it evaporated, you'd still be left with the powder, so you'd be no further ahead. It, in a gaseous form. The question is, can you spend gaseous powder? I don't know. We'll dig into that after I tell you about AG1. Uh, now, first things first, they've changed their URL. So I want to let you know that their new URL, their new URL, I'll fix that in post. I won't fix that in post, is drinkag1.com slash vision. That's drinkag1.com slash vision. The reason I drink AG1 is because I needed help with gut health. Gut health was an issue for me. I had a friend who happened to be a doctor. He wasn't like prescribing it, just a friend who used it for the same reason. He said it worked great for him. And I got to tell you, um, it worked great for me on that front, but it also meant that I could stop taking the gummy vitamins because it's 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, um, adaptogens, probiotics. It's a, a microbiome for your gut. One thing about AG1 that I really like is just the uptake of the nutrients that are in it. You know, if you turn around your gummy vitamin container, whatever it is, go look. The first ingredient is some kind of sugar. And that's not the case here. It's low sugar. It's vegan, gluten-free, daily-free. So it's like lifestyle-friendly as well. Designed by athletes for athletes. I mean, I think this is part of the key. There are reason athletes take certain supplements, take certain n- nutritional uh, additions to their daily regimen. They need to be as finely tuned as possible. And I think there's probably nothing that speaks better to something that's going to get you to a high performance level than something that is taken by athletes who are absolutely obsessed with high performance. So I would say this is something that just makes sense to do. It is a healthy part of your day. Uh, I would say the other thing about it is just that y- you can give it a try, right? That Give it a try and see if it has the impact for you. Energy, recovery, gut health, um, better sleep, all of the things that you're focused on in one great nutritional additive to your daily routine. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of the vitamin D, and five free AG1 travel packs. When I head off to New York and LA for the uh, USA tour next month, I will be bringing those travel packs with me with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash vision. That's drinkag1.com slash vision. Check it out. And got to tell you about Oakley sunglasses. Um, been wearing my Oakley HSTNs recently. Really love them. Killian Mbappe, he wears Oakley. And I would suggest that um, you know wearing Oakley is probably going to uh, mean that you play football as well as Killian Mbappe. It's not, but but still, you know, we can, we can dream. And maybe by wearing those Oakley's Killian Mbappe, I say, wow, you know, Arsenal fans seem to really like Oakley. Maybe I should go to Arsenal. Also a consideration. Also probably not going to happen. Um, yeah, anyway, Oakley's, look, great designs, great quality, all day wear, great for athletic activities. They stay on your head, which, you know, it may sound silly, but a lot of sunglasses, if I try to be active at all, they just fall right off. So I can't run outside in my other sunglasses. I can't go play sports outside in my other sunglasses. 
Um, anyone who's seen me play sports outside would probably say, just don't do that in general. But either way, the Oakleys are designed for that, designed for all day wear. I do think that we live in a world right now where sunglasses are all cookie cutter designs. I like that Oakley has a sense of style where you can wear some designs that are more traditional, but they've got styles that stand out and, and you know, give you a bit of a unique look. Like th that should be something that you want. Uh, so you don't look like you're wearing everybody else's sunglasses. They have prism technology. When I put these lenses on, like the, the way they reduce the glare, especially lately with the forest fires, air quality here hasn't been good. A lot of glare in the air. The Prism technology is some of the best I've worn from a polarization standpoint. Look, go to oakley.com, read up on Prism, look at all the different styles. You can go to oakley.com and check it out, see if it's right for you. While you're there, you can pick up some sunglasses. So go for it. Go to oakley.com, get some sunglasses. Seems easy. I don't know why you wouldn't be doing it now. Do it now. Oakley.com. Tim, is that enough of that? Indeed. Nailed it. Nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. Okay. Um, there's a lot more to go here. There's a lot of good stuff that we need to ask, need to explore. And I'm going to ask you a weird one, but I, you know what? I'm going to give this one to myself because I, I, it's just near and dear to my heart. Lowy, 133, Havertz Ballon d'Or 24. That is his full handle on Discord. Lowy, 133, Havertz Ballon d'Or 24. Should we seriously look into signing Jaden Sancho after reports today of the breakdown of the relationship with Eric Ten Hag? I think alone with an option would be ideal, can cover all five attacking lanes. If you like the idea of Havertz being a post-hype sleeper, as they say, right? You know, he, he, he was hyped as one of the best in the world, and he's, he's not that anymore. If you like that, well, boy, have I got a post-hype sleeper for you and Jaden Sancho. This was one of the players that I absolutely adored when he was in Dortmund, and I was convinced, absolutely convinced, that he was going to be spectacular in the Premier League. It hasn't worked out. Um. You know, I don't know if fitness is an issue for him. I don't know if it's just strength and power. You know, he's a very technical player, but it hasn't worked. This is the shame of it. The shame of it is he's on supposedly 350 a week. I don't know how United end that relationship. I don't know how they extricate themselves from that situation. It's a relationship that I think needs to end. If we weren't going for Haberts, he'd be a player that I'd be very curious about. I just don't see how you can make it happen. Um, and that's a shame because I think he would be a very interesting player. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't see a way to do it. It is a fascinating one. I'd be very curious to see where Sancho winds up next, if he's able to get out of United and if he's able to rediscover some, some form. Um, but man, have United missed on some big signings. Sancho hasn't worked out. Anthony is dreadful. Harry Maguire is bad. Like it just goes to show you being the destination for the top talent and what it says about your club that they'll sign with you. What does it say about United that Anthony and Sancho and Maguire signed with them? What it says is they're bad at transfers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I, I don't think you want to be fixated on the profile. You got to get it right. You got to get it right. Um, so let me ask it to you more broadly. Uh, Tim, I'll give you a shot at this. And then uh, I, I got a good one for you as well, Paul. But Tim Bryan at King of the Wink. He must have a great wink. I'd love to see his wink. King of the Wink asks, there's a rumor of a bunch of Man United players being available this summer, relatively cheap. Would you take a flyer on any of them? Specifically Van de Beek, which is not one that I had thought of, but would you take a flyer on any United players that would be available, maybe uh, at a discount? Um, I don't honestly think so, to be honest. Can, can I ask you this? Um, is the yeah. transfer you'd most want to happen from United... Is Harry Maguire Harry to Maguire Tottenham? Harry Maguire to Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> if I could offer you that. Yeah, probably. 
it's it's a bit it's a bit weird isn't it i think first of all like we we have such a well i think the manager has such a precise vision for how he wants arsenal to play that really whoever we sign has to fit into that and and that's like it's interesting assess, assessing the levels of trust both we ourselves and the general fan base have that when we sign someone like Kai Havertz I know n- not everyone's on board with it or happy about it or whatever but generally I think it's been hmm, okay I, I'm prepared to wait and see which for football fans that's like the best trust you're ever going to get essentially a kind of hmm, I'm not sure I see this but I'll, I'll try and work it out three years ago a similar profile of signing would have been, what the hell are we doing now? <laughs> kind of thing. And so like, it's, it's a bit weird assess it. Like you said about Sancho, you know, it's like, well, like what role would Sancho play? Cause he likes to play on the right. And, um, we've already got Saka. And I think Ten Hag has kind of shown what he thinks of Sancho by spending 90 million pounds on Anthony to play on the right. And, blah, 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 et cetera. But as similar with Chelsea, it's so difficult to assess the actual quality of Man United players because they haven't had a clear idea or a clear system for such a long time. Like Sancho, Sancho is every bit as, dis- well, actually probably less so, but he's a distressed asset just like Havertz is. Um, and Anthony would be. Anthony, believe it or not, he's there is a very good player in there. Mm. Um, it's just... <laughs> For well, for example, the the thing that makes Anthony suffer is United don't have a centre forward um, mm. for him to combine with, and their right backs are rubbish. So like the whole like because Rashford plays well because the way United's attack is tilted is is down that left hand side. Like Anthony's got either Wambisaka or Diego Dallo behind him, who are both very mid table, and then mm. they like his one of his superpowers is crosses to who. Like Anthony Marshall, like of course Anthony looks bad. So like it's 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 very difficult to get a read on how good some of these players actually are. But I have to say, not like nothing really grabs me. Like it's midfield where we kind of need players, but it looks like we're addressing that. And yeah, I I don't, I but yeah, I, there, there's nothing that that springs to mind that jumps out and grabs me. Yeah, interesting. By the way, the way you said to who reminds me of one of the funniest videos on the internet where the line following to who is Aquaman. Uh, and if you don't know that video, look up Sell Your House Aquaman. <laughs> It'll lead you yeah, to Yeah, that a- was uh, Ben Shapiro's thing about um, <laughs> if people's house is affected by rising tides, won't they just sell their houses? Just, just sell them and move. And the guy breaks through the back wall and says, sell them to who, Ben? Aquaman. <laughs> it's a pretty funny video. Regardless of what you think of any of that, it's damn funny. Um, Paul, this is an interesting one because it is pretty important. And this shows you how people's brains, I think, are broken by the pace of the window. Because everybody's so desperate slash mad slash up in arms about us trying to get these deals done. Meanwhile, we got three record level deals maybe about to go through. We haven't sold anybody yet. So, uh, you know, I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, Michael. We Rome, <laughs> yeah. We, for, we forgot to do the, we forgot to sell our, 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 our old car before we bought our new one. Michael Romare at Michael Romare or Romer. Romert. It's got an umlaut over the O, but I don't know if that's a holdover from the Ozil era or it's an actual umlaut or for his name. Rumert. I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard any rumors about selling any players. Any rumors? Question mark. Paul, I think we sort of have a sense of the players we think we might sell. We haven't done it yet. What's weird is the Shaka one was supposed to be like, you know, 
He was going to go straight from the lap of appreciation to Germany. Um, that hasn't happened. I think Kieran Tierney was going to go straight from the lap of appreciation to St. James Park. Um, <laughs> uh, that hasn't happened. Party, you know, Juve, Saudi Arabia, maybe. We don't know. Uh, uh, Sambi Lakanga, like literally not one drip of news about that player. I mean, it is a little interesting. Rob Holding, is he going? Like, the, what's going on with the sales, Paul? That, it, it's not yeah. that we haven't sold anybody. It's that there yes. isn't even really a credible report out there of us getting any of this done. And I kind of feel like we we need to do that part. Yes. Well, well, those are the rumors. Oh, well See? done. Touche. Thanks. Rumors. Uh, I'm waiting for Tim to say something like, well, actually, the transfer window doesn't officially open until August 1st. (laughs) So um, I think it's just very early. Is it true that the the European window opens July 1? Is that right? I think that's right. Think. No no one (laughs) on this podcast knows. But that might might explain why players were trying to sell out of the Premier League the rumors are gone quiet. The Tierney stuff's gone awfully quiet, though, too. So, yeah, wh- where, where's your head at with this stuff? Yeah. Well, uh, I guess I would say we are spoiled at the moment because Arsenal has changed from a club that believed you should do business late in the in the transfer window because that's where the real value was, maybe, plus a club that had to sell before it bought to this other kind of club that uh, I literally forgot we had to sell players when you ask me this question, I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, who who is the list of guys who need to go out and where are we at with them? I think it's just really, really early in the window. A lot of players are on vacation doing international stuff. And for many of them, um, they it's just been, I mean, obviously, there's some low-level background stuff. But remember, Elliot, there's a whole bunch of people who don't want to hear that the People are having low-level, continuing discussions out there, blah, 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 until things get real. So Fabrizio and the boys are not telling us anything because it's low-level stuff at the moment. I think we're just very early in the window, and we are spoiled, along with a couple of other uh, supporter bases of bigger clubs, that we're actually trying to get all of our business done. uh, Sorry, all our important substantive business done before things really get cracking so that we're ready for preseason. And as I say, preseason is the real season. Don't listen to Tim. Um, I think actually, if you can get all your players in, then preseason becomes much more meaningful than it used to be. Like if you don't have your players, if they're away on international duty, if you haven't bought them yet, if the players you have are going, uh, uh, but they're still with you in preseason and you're using it as a shop window. Yeah. Preseason is not very meaningful. But if it's actually your team, if you're actually looking to get a flyer, if you're actually looking to bed guys in, preseason's like the most fun part of the season when you see things being tried out. And to your point, Elliot, uh, Mm -hmm. Smith Rowe, if he has a flyer in preseason, like he'll be a real shot for getting serious minutes at the start. We've seen it with other players. Now the competition's getting higher and higher. Now you have to get past a guy you just spent 65 million on or whatever it is for Havertz to get into the starting lineup. But if he has a flyer in preseason, um, 
Arteta will give these guys a shot. I mean, Saliba nailed down a place from being a possible, an option. What do we do with them next? It's like suddenly, oh, that was good. Let's move Ben White to right back. So uh, don't tell me preseason isn't isn't the season. Um, yeah. So I just yeah. The factors are we've been very effective at and very clear in our moves and hopefully we get them done. But it has spoiled us in terms of the overall window. We've forgotten what this stuff is like. Yeah, good point. Um, I'm going to answer one quickly here. Uh, Sam Leeton at Sam Leeton asked, do you think that Arteta and Pep still chat to each other on occasion? Do you think they've had a conversation about Rice situation? This is a really interesting one. I'm sure they talk. I, I doubt they talk about like current ongoing transfer stuff. I doubt it. But what I think is interesting is Rice has been around a few years now. And I remember maybe three seasons ago when he was really breaking in and two seasons ago, uh, well, maybe three or four. When was it? I get, well, he's, what is he, 24? So I guess it would have been when he was like 19, 20. He was a really hot prospect. A really hot prospect. I remember a lot of, you know, discussion about him being the, the sort of young player most likely to really break out in the league. I am sure Pep, and Mikel discussed Declan Rice when he was at City, when when Mikel was still at City. I am sure that is a player they would have discussed. And I'm really fascinated about, about that because, look, they probably discussed all kinds of players and all kinds of talent. And when you have a 19, 20-year-old breaking in the league, playing 2,000 minutes, playing you twice, right, home and away, having an impact on games <laughs> against you, you have to game plan for that player. I'm sure they will have discussed him. And I'd just be fascinated to know what those conversations were like. So, yeah, I... You know, someone asked me the other day, do I think that that Pep is in for Rice to try to stop Arsenal from... I don't know. I think City run their transfer business this way. Whoever the player is they think can most improve them, they go get. They're too good to have to worry about stopping us from getting a good player. But I do think that there may be a little f- trust and an issue here of like, well, Mikel really liked him and I trust Mikel's instincts. Maybe I need to get him right. Um, Tim, do you want to add that real quick? in the in audio format yeah yeah sure so Arteta was asked about this in his recent marker interview I don't know exactly when that interview was given but he said he speaks to Pep very regularly Mm. um you know didn't say what they talk about but for example they asked him the question they said like oh after the defeat at Man City you know you seem to be like not that warm with Pep after the final whistle and his answer was like well yeah we lost 4-1 and like mm-hmm. we're both serious competitors and when we're in that situation no we are not friends but he said I spoke to him the next day and like I speak to him on a regular basis but he was just like in that scenario no mm. we're competitors but yeah so he, he said in his marker interview that he speaks to Pep all the time yeah it's funny I was about to say that but I couldn't remember where I had heard it and I was like maybe I just imagined it but yeah so it's interesting I, I, I'm sure they've discussed this player and I, I wonder how that weighs on things Tim I'll stay with you here uh, Sam Dallas at Sam Dallas Gooner do you think Arsenal will buy a right wing backup for Saka this summer or are we comfortable with Kai and Jesus as potential options on that wing I, I, I'm not sure he sees Kai Havertz there at all I really think Kai Havertz has come to play you know, um, we'll call it left eight for now. I think it'll be in a very different way. I think it'll be more second striker. Um, I put in our WhatsApp chat this week that I kind of look at it almost like Havertz and Jesus will be like a false nine strike partnership in a way and they'll alternate kind of coming to the ball and running in behind and all of that. But um, I mean, it sounds like if they're offering a contract to Reese Nelson, 
Like they have to have a role for him and they have to have a role for him that convinces him to sign a new contract, which, you know, isn't announced yet. So, you know, his avenue to minutes to me seems to be you can play on the left and the right. So it doesn't look to me like Arsenal are going to go and spend a chunk of money because they've looks like they've decided they want to keep Smithrow and Nelson and therefore one or both of those will probably form the backup or maybe Gabriel Jesus uh, will be more... I, I tend to think that might be the way it goes, that Gabriel Jesus might go wide right if needed um, and then, you know, maybe Havertz plays up front or whatever um, or some or Trossard plays up front. Like, I, yeah, I, I think that his backup is essentially going to be a bit Trossard, a bit Smithrow, a bit Nelson. Mm. Yeah, um, I I think there is a world where we we might need to go get a sack of backup. I just think there's only so much business you can do effectively in a window. And here's what I don't want. I don't want like a 7 million pound Premier League journeyman who's 32, you know, on 110 a week. You know, I, I like I don't want... If we're going to buy another forward that could potentially push Saka for minutes, I want it to be someone really, really good. I think we have enough there because I think in general, like Martinelli's shown he can play on the right. I don't know if Trissard can so much. Jesus certainly can. I think Havertz can, but I agree with him that that's not the role he's being given. I think Nelson can play over there. Like, if you don't have Saka, you could use Jesus. If you don't have Jesus and Saka, I think you still have enough options to have a good cluster of five players up front. I'm not too worried about it. Paul, I got a, I got a good, good one for you here. This is a really good one because it's the most important question of the whole window. This is the whole ball of wax. Jack Perry at Jack Perry, there's an extra R and extra Y, asks, is it an upgrade to sell Shaka, Party, Tierney, and Balogun to buy Rice, Lavia, Timber, and Havertz? Shaka, Party, Tierney, yeah. Balogun out, Rice, Lavia, Timber, Havertz in. Is it an upgrade? You done? Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. It definitely is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, there's a bit of partnership. So, if you you got to buy Havertz plus Rice, I kind of went through that one already. Rice is available for the whole season. So, right then and there, compared to say Thomas Party. Now, of course, it's a little bit of projection, but that's the business we're in. Like, imagine having a player. If you kept Party fit and at his best for the whole season. You could debate whether you're, uh, whether Rice versus Party is an upgrade. Like a, a, a top-level Thomas Party fit and firing for a full season, what's not to love about that? So even if you prefer Rice, I mean, it's, it's, it's marginal. Um, Havertz with Rice behind him is absolutely an upgrade on Xhaka, uh, given what we want of the role. And uh, Arteta said something very interesting. He was asked about Odegaard uh, during the week uh, in that Marca interview, I guess. And he said something like, he's brilliant, he's great, he's wonderful. But what he doesn't do is run into the box enough. Um, And I think he'd been listening to our last main podcast where I talked about what I think he wants from Havertz is... Not just a guy who runs into the box, but a guy who runs behind beyond the last line, who does the kind of, we talk about strikers running in behind. It's not really what Jesus does or what he thinks about doing. He tends to drop in. Odegaard tends to sit in that right pocket um, and pull the strings and, and get sack in behind. 
But in those those middle three, the left eight, right eight, and the striker, nobody's running in behind to to have the centre backs looking behind them, turning around, twisting, and that's what Havertz br- brings you. And Xhaka, bless him, certainly did quite a, a surprising amount of those runs behind, or to stretch that back line, or to cross with Martinelli as he cuts inside. Havertz will do that on steroids. And uh, well, that's going to be a problem because was no, that no, he, that's going to be a problem because if he does that on steroids, he's going to fail a drug yes. test. He's going to miss the entirety of the season. I think we need to rethink that strategy. Then, sorry, it, I I couldn't. Elliot, that. all the other teams are doing it, so, <laughs> so you're um, not wrong. But my point, <laughs> yeah, yes, including one or two who are our rivals. But the thing about uh, Havertz and making that run, um, there was a stat that while in the Bundesliga. In one of the seasons, he was the fastest player in the Bundesliga, along with one other guy. Um, so I don't think we have quite priced in just how quick he is with the ball and making those runs. Mightn't be the fastest guy in the Premier League, but he'll be up there. Um, so they can't ignore him. They can't just let him go. So I think that particular pairing is a big upgrade. Um, Lavia... Um, like he's kind of one for the future, so it depends on the time frame you're talking about. In the short term, I don't know that he moves the needle versus where we were last year. And certainly, uh, Timber looks like a bowler who plays to the way we like to play, um, and therefore that's a significant upgrade on Kieran Tierney. Not a, necessarily as a footballer, though, though maybe even there. Uh, just in terms of what he does for this team and allows uh, the way he allows us to play. Um, I think, you know, you got three players there that are, that at least in combination are a serious upgrade, a little bit man to man, but, but more in terms of what they allow the team to do. So does yeah. that nope. Well, well handled and apologies for the interruption to say ridiculous, meaningless nonsense. Um, I'm going to answer this question because obviously I have to answer it because it, uh, from Twitter, his name is Elliot at Elliot C 89. Oh. Uh, now, if it means he was born in, in 1989, I like him less than I did when we started, but, you know, that's a little too young for me. Most people sitting listening are probably even younger than that, so that's how time works, Elliot. Uh, okay, Elliot asks, besides Rice, which alleged transfer are you most excited about? And Elliot, for me, it is very, very easy. It is Kai Havertz, and it's more than Rice. I am extremely excited for Kai Havertz. I'm willing to be wrong in public, Uh I've been right in public on occasion. I've been very wrong in public on occasion. This is one I'm willing to be very wrong about. I think Kai Havertz has that transformative signing capability for us in a, in a way that Zinchenko did because Zinchenko came into a position where we had some talent but transformed what we did with the position and changed the way we were able to control space, control possession, control ball progression, be a more dominant team in terms of our attack. I think Kai Havertz can take that left eight position, which Shaka did such a good job with, given that I think there are a lot of skills required that maybe don't come as naturally to him. And I think he can take it up a level. Listen back to the Arteta interview with Jamie Carragher from early this past season. He talked about that role. He said he needed more from that role, and that's where he needed Shaka. And he said to Shaka, if you can't give it to me, I'm going to find someone who can. And he said Shaka came in lighter. He redoubled his efforts. He's been really good, really proud of him. And as we all know, he had a brilliant season. But I think it's been in Arteta's mind that that's a position where he can get something different and something more. 
If you look at the data, and I really hope if you're interested in Patreon that you will go to the three hours of content where Matt broke down the data review of our season. Granite Shaka shows up really well in a lot of the getting into the box metrics, but doesn't show up as great in the what you do once you're there metrics. And I think it's because the left eight crashes the box more. The right eight makes the later runs or stays a little deeper. Think about it. Saka plays more interior than Martinelli. Martinelli holds the width. So the left eight goes in and goes by. He underlaps Martinelli. He goes to the byline. He goes into the box more. And I think Kai Havertz's skill set and height, ball winning, close control, shooting and creativity. Again, a lot of people worried about his finishing. Let's just see. I think he can be transformative to what that role gives us in the same way Zinchenko was. So that's the one I'm most excited for, and I'm prepared to be really wrong and look really dumb about that. Tim, you ready for another? Shoot. This is, um, this is an interesting one because I think it's a subject that a lot of people feel very strongly about, uh, and it's somewhat polarizing, which is always fun. Capti on the Discord. Capt. Capt. Capti. Why are people so keen on selling Tierney? He's a solid defender who brings so much needed British grit to the back line. He may not be the technical operator Zinni is, but with the Timber signing, can't we see a back line where he has a more traditional role? Tierney, keep your Tommy Timber. I guess that would be sort of like a rotated back four. And we do a 3-2 build-up utilizing two attacking eights up front. Thoughts? Yeah, I like Tin is not a bad player, and and I get it. It was it was less about his quality and more that um, his attributes, I guess. And and like mate, you're right. Maybe that changes if we, you know, find a way to invert the right back or something like that. But I, I just don't think I don't think Tierney really has the technical level. Um, to be honest, like, yeah, I. I, I just I just see him sometimes like, you know, walloping the ball as far down the pitch as it will possibly go and out of play and all and like mm, yeah. I I just uh, I just think on a fundamental basis that is not what Mikel Arteta wants in this team. He wants ball retention. And you know, Tin is not like a disaster area on the ball or anything, but mm. yeah, he I think too often it's very like I'm going to I'm going to run into the ball and I'm going to wallop this thing and seed possession and I I just I just don't see it anymore and and we don't we don't like his his other like his his real quality is like crossing from over by the touchline which he's really good at but we don't really do that um we don't do that from either side like Ben White doesn't do that either he gets to the byline and it's more kind of cut back um so yeah I I I just think he yeah, I'm, 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 my, this season coming up might prove me wrong and there might be a way to find him back in the team. But honestly, I just kind of think, yeah, I just think he's a good player. He's at a decent age. He doesn't really fit any more sell. That's, now, you know. This is, the, this is, if you want to say, what has Arsenal been bad at over the last many years? Yep. This is what we've been bad at. Loving our players yep. so much and wanting to keep them all and not cashing in when there's money to be made. Sorry, Kieran Tierney's not going to play much next season. If he stays, we could get 30, 35 million pounds for him and get 120,000 a week off the books so that we can bring in more players. Yeah. And ultimately, like the world didn't yeah. end when we sold Iwobi for like. No, the world got better million, because like- Saka came in. That was the position yeah. that Saka took up initially. <clears throat> but it's not even that. Guys, Kieran Tierney hardly played this season and he was fit. He hardly played. I think he was under 300 Premier League minutes, maybe under 200 Premier League minutes. I'll look that up. But my, my point is, 
Kieran Tierney makes 120 grand a week. He isn't being used. He could bring us 30 million. If you're not going to sell this guy, do not complain about Arsenal being bad at selling. Because people think the only players we should sell are the clearly terrible ones and we should get good money for them. That's not how this works. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was way off, by the way. I need to, I need to correct the record because I was miles off. He played 795 minutes, but still, he started six games. He did make 27 appearances, but six games, 795 minutes. Should a, should a player who is 26 years old, a full international, a captain for his nation, I believe, be playing, starting six games and playing under 800 minutes? He shouldn't. And there's no Europa League this season, so he'll play less. And we're bringing in Timber. So now you've got Timber, Tomiyasu, Kivior, Zinchenko, all of whom can play fullback positions. And Kieran Tierney doesn't fit. And look, you can love Tierney the guy. You can even love Tierney the player. I, I'd, I'd have an interesting debate on how good I think Tierney is or not good. Do I think Tierney could be very good for a team that wants a touchline fullback who runs the touchline, gets, you know, gets down the wing, crosses the ball, gets back? Absolutely. Not selling Kieran Tierney for 30 plus million in his 26-year-old season on 120 grand a week when he's just come off an 800-minute season. It's just bad resource allocation. And so I, I think that you, you got to kill your darlings. You have to be prepared to sell players you like. That's how you fund the project. You don't get to have Timber and Rice and Havertz and, and Lavia and keep Tierney and keep Nketiah and keep Balogun and keep Smith-Rowe and keep Vieira. And, you know, and people be like, well, then sell Samby. Well, of course you sell Samby. Of course, you sell Rob Holding. What are you going to get? For, you got to be willing to sell some players you like. And ultimately, even if we do keep Kieran Tierney, how's he, how's he going to feel getting 400 minutes next season? So, I, yeah, I think this is one that you have to sell no matter how much you like him, even if he's very, very good. And I'm not convinced he is, but even if he is very, very good, he's clearly not very, very good in the way Mikel wants our fullbacks to play. Paul, I got one for you. Unless you want to weigh in on that before I give you the next one. I uh, just wanted to quickly say, you're wrong on Kieran Tierney. It was 795 minutes. I, I, I corrected the record. I did. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. So here's a question. Michael J. Stryanese at MJ underscore Stryanese or Stryanese, Stryanese. I don't know. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, to, to stay, to go, hail end edition. Smith Rowe, Nelson, and Kedia Balligan. Go. Two stay, two go. Smithrow, Nketiah, Nelson, Balligan. Now, I'm going to ask you to do it two ways, Paul. I'm going to ask you to do it what you'd prefer, but I want you to do it in terms of like what you believe. More importantly, what do you think will happen? If two stay and two go, which two do you believe would stay and which two do you believe would go? Uh, well, Smithrow and Nelson, uh, I think are the most in the plans. We've we've heard that stated mm. specifically yeah. and clearly. Um, they're probably close to my two favorites for this project. I like I'm a big Eddie believer, but I just don't think we're asking him. It's a bit like the jacket thing. We're asking him to play in a way that isn't ideal for him. And I think he's at an age where I'll be surprised if he isn't pushing to leave unless he's heard something radically different 
from Mikel Arteta in terms of how he's going to get it used and how much he's going to play. But, I mean, I think the one-two is Gabriel Jesus and Trossard, and if it's not Trossard, Havertz as the the false nine-nine role there. <clears throat> so, like, and then Balogun, um, if you love somebody, sell him, as you just said, I think. I, I think you were going to kill them, but no, I'd sell them. I think that's higher value with that. And uh, I'd take the money for... Balogun, because he may never be riding this high again. Um, and he'd have a long way to go before he's folded into this project. But unless you see a particular talent that you're sure of and a way that we're going to play in the future, then take the money for Balogun. I think we'll, uh, you know, I think we'll get good men money for Eddie and Keddy. I know you and I rate him. Uh, fees in the market wise a little different in the Premier League, but I, I think you could get 25 ish million for Eddie for the team. Like all, all teams in the Premier League need a couple of strikers, and some teams will look at Eddie and see the striker he, he can be and he's shown glimpses of in their system. Um, yeah, those are mm. the two, and I, I think they fit our needs. Yeah, I, I would so. <laughs> I think the best thing for Arsenal, if you take money out of the equation, Paul, and, and you take like the, the fees out, I think keeping Smith Rowe and Balogun, only because I still think you can make an argument that we don't really have a striker behind Jesus. Like, other than Enkedia, obviously, and I think Balogun might be the one that I'd prefer to give a shot to. Um, I, I think Nelson is clearly more in the plan. I agree with you there, but we do have a lot of wide options. I think potentially, um, so I don't. I don't know, but like ultimately, I think where Balogun and Enkedia are concerned specifically, I'd prefer to move on Enkedia and keep Balogun. Here's the problem: I think Balogun can command a bigger fee, and I think Enkedia is probably more likely. This is going to sound condescending. I don't mean it this way, but accept the role he has at Arsenal and work as hard as he can to be valuable in that role. Whereas I think Balogun wants to go be the guy somewhere. At least that's what we've had reported. And in that scenario, I don't know that you can keep Balogun and give him, if if the only minutes available are the minutes that Eddie just had last season, that won't be enough to keep Balogun. And I don't, I don't see a path with no Europa League to Balogun getting 1,500 or 2,000 minutes he needs to be satisfied. So I think Eddie fits the squad availability more. I'd prefer to keep Balogun just to see where it could go. It's a tough one. This thing that we're going to have to get used to, now that we're going to be in Champions Leagues and compete for titles and compete for Champions League, hopefully for a few seasons, it's going to be harder for academy players to come through. You can't have it both ways. You can't compete for the title and the Champions League and buy Declan Rice and buy Lavia and Havertz or Caicedo and, and then also complain that, you know, the, the new hot, Academy guy didn't get a shot. You just can't because those things aren't compatible. Um, and, and and I mean that's a good thing because the goal of the team is not just to bring academy players through; it's to be successful. But I also get it is a sad thing because we want the next wave of academy players to come through. Um, I'm going to answer a question here: Do we jump in and get Mason Mount? That one comes from Kenneth at Kelmax X, uh, Kelman X, Kelman X on Twitter. It's an interesting question, right? Because Mount's price now looks like it might be less than Havertz's price. A lot of people rate Mount quite a bit higher than they rate Havertz. They can both play a similar role. Mount is a year older, actually, which is weird, or a bit older anyway. United are balking at the price for Mount. 
So I'm going to say, no, I wouldn't do this. And I'll say two reasons. One, it seems pretty clear to me that Mikel Arteta thinks Havertz is the guy. And if Mikel Arteta is this convinced about Havertz, I'm inclined to just let him go get the guy he he believes is the guy. I know there's a lot of people smarter about football than me that think Mason Mount is very, very good and probably better than Havertz. And they might be right. We might be making a mistake here. We might be going for the wrong one. There's another thing, though, that puts me onto this. I, guys, this is really bad logic, but I can't help it. Havertz doesn't feel Chelsea to me. Mount feels very Chelsea to me. I don't want someone that Chelsea at Arsenal. We've had enough of that. I just, I can't, I couldn't root for Mount. Maybe I could. Maybe it would change the second he pulled on the shirt. That's one I can't get warm to. It feels like you're getting a, a very Chelsea player. So if if Arteta likes Havertz more, which I think he does, and he's a bit younger, and he fits our needs, and he doesn't feel as Chelsea, that meets a lot of requirements for me. Tim, um, a lot of questions like this. This one comes from Sham at Shamsdale on Twitter. Are Rice, Havertz, and Lavia, assuming we get all three, enough to replace Shaka and Party? Not just in the long term, but immediately. So if we get Rice, Havertz, Lavia, and Shaka and Party go, are we better this season? Is that enough? I'm, we're, def- we're, we're definitely better, yes, I think. By the way, can um, I know, add subjects to that? how those players fit in. I, th- sure. I think because we keep not mentioning this, I think that means Jorginho stays. There were rumors he'd go to Italy. Like, yeah. But I'll throw it out as this way because I think this makes it a, a tougher question. If Rice, Havertz, and Lavia come in, Shaka party and Jorginho go out, are we are we good enough? Are we better? Um, I mean, the quality. I think I still think like the quality comes up because I think Declan, even at his best, Thomas Partey. I mean, at his best, I think Declan Rice is is better or at the very least the equal. Um, and, and I'm relatively positive about, uh, what Havertz is going to do in, in that left eight role all to be confirmed and everything like that. Better the devil, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I do think in a starting 11, um, kind of scenario, we're going to get stronger. Jorginho for me, for me, it makes all of the sense in the world to keep Jorginho and lose Partey. Cause I don't think we can keep both of those and add someone like Lavia, for example. Um, so like Jorginho and Lavia, that looks to me to be quite strong in that position. Like if you're talking about the sixth position, you know, Rice, Jorginho, Lavia, that's that's quite strong, I think. Um, and then we're going one for one on the left eight. But then all of that depends on, and, and we've still got Elneny, of course, um, for at least one more year. So that's like another player there. Um, but like on the on the left eight side, like a lot, we certainly won't be weaker, I don't think, but it's the layer under Havertz. Like I'm very, very convinced that's where Havertz is going to play. The money we're paying for him, like that's not like Jorginho and Trossard. That's kind of high level squad player money. The money we're putting down for Havertz, that's you're going to be in the team most of the time money. Um, So like, I, I do think we'd be stronger, but obviously a lot will depend first of all on like how many injuries there are. Cause actually Xhaka and Partey stayed fit this season so we didn't really have to see the underbelly of that too much um and i think Jorginho is is very very good backup anyway um but you know it depends how does fabio viet like havertz could sign for us and he could get injured on the first game of the season or the fifth game of the season miss the whole thing and we might have to throw fabio vieira in there or or whatever so it's always a difficult question to answer because it depends how much you have to use your backups i think would be a lot stronger in the number 6 position the left eight 
I think would be stronger. Um, but yeah, it, it depends on what, what we don't know is the kind of, what does the deputy situation look like there? Is that still Fabio Vieira? Is Smith Rowe going to get a shot in that position? Is he going to be any good in that position? Like there are quite a lot of unanswered questions. Um, and I don't know enough about Lavia to know whether he can play that role either. I, I think of him very much as a six that would be developing underneath Jorginho and then Jorginho's contract I believe is only until the end of the season anyway with an option for a further year so that actually strikes me as strategically quite good um, con- like consecutive planning um, but yeah the, the left eight I think it remains to be seen but overall I'd, I'd say stronger depending on circumstances yeah I think we have to be prepared for the fact that losing party is going to make us considerably worse. I think part, people's last memory of party is post interlull party, and he wasn't very good. Prior to that, he was the best central midfielder in the league, in my view, as good or better than Rodri. And Declan Rice is not a Thomas Party. They're very, very different players. Declan Rice, it's funny. If Thomas Party was like six inches shorter, I think we'd see him for what he really is. He's he's Santi Cazorla. You know what I mean? He's got quick feet. I mean, no one's Santi Cazorla, unfortunately, but he's got quick feet. He moves through tight spaces really effectively. He's great at progressing the ball by carrying it, by stabbing little passes, by finding really clever balls between the lines, breaking lines. He is an on-the-ball player. Now, we have saw him sprint back and recover to make a few interesting tackles this season, but overall, I actually don't think that's his strength. I don't think ball recovery and, and tackle winning is his strength. I think it's what he does in ball progression, and that's what we're losing. We're going to have to replace that somehow. I think Declan Rice likes to carry the ball through big spaces, but I don't think he's as good in tight spaces. I don't think he's as press resistant. I don't think he's as good with short, you know, the little three-yard stab passes, the little, little line breakers to the guy at the next level of the attack. So that's going to be interesting. Thomas Party has dominant statistics for us in ball progression and things like that. And I, I think his on-the-ball play is the part that's going to be a little bit tricky to replace. We'll see. Now, Here's the thing, though. His availability has been an issue his, his whole time at Arsenal. And if Declan Rice is more available and maybe not quite as good on the ball, but more of a shield, locks up the defense more and allows us to play Havertz and Odegaard together, then the alchemy works. Because first of all, he's always there. He's available. He's giving you a little bit more defensive solidity, but you're playing a little more attacking two in front of him. And, and the alchemy starts to come together. So I'll ask it to you, Paul, quickly, because we got to wrap up here. Are we getting better enough in midfield? We're losing a lot of experience in Shaka, Party, and Jorginho in my hypothetical, and I don't know that Jorginho will go, but if all three of them go, losing a lot of experience, losing a lot of ball progression. We're gaining a lot of physical power in Rice, physical power in Lavi, although a little rawness, and a lot more attacking intent in, in Havertz. It's an interesting trade-off. Is it enough to make us better? I mean, look, staying just as good would be pretty good. We were very good this season. Is it enough to make us better? Yeah, look, it's a huge deal if you have Rice for a full season versus Party for half a season. Mm -hmm. And maybe he's around more than half a season, but not at the level. And so he's there, he's in the team, but he's not performing for a run of games. Um, Like That just blows a hole in your season. Um, with Rice there, his ability to uh, win back the ball uh, high up the pitch, it'll 
mean that for 38 games in a season, uh, we can push up the pitch, we can cover our centre-backs, so if Saliba isn't available and, and White's playing there, we're just as strong with Rice uh, shielding. He can break from from and through midfield, drive forward like nobody else can with the ball. Well, party's close, but that is one area where where Rice thrives, breaking lines with the ball, creating the chaos. And then it allows us to play Havertz or Trossard or Smith-Rowe in a way I don't think even Thomas Party uh, allows us to play. So we can mo- be more attacking. Rice himself can be more pretty much as attacking as party if th- what he's really doing is facilitating uh, Havertz, Trossard, Smith-Rowe, uh, Odegaard to drop in, pick up the ball and, and make the clever... Like, he can keep it a little simpler and enable those guys to make us more attacking. There are different ways of get- getting there. I think it's a huge deal um, assuming Rice is available for a full season versus we don't know how much of party we're going to get and at what level. Brilliant when he's at the level, but he's never at the level for more than half a season. So, like, half a season not at the level, that explains why you can't beat Man City in the run-in. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was interesting. This is the first time I think I've heard him say it. Nobody wanted to hear it at the time, and he was never going to say it at the time. But in this recent, I think it was the market interview, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, I think Mikel Arteta basically said the reason we didn't win the title is injuries. We needed our best players available at the end of the season. Was is that was it that interview that just came out? We've not yep. heard him say, yeah. And we've not heard him say that before. Um, yeah. And I, by the way, I think he's right. I really do think he's right, especially the Saliba one. Um, it's funny. Did, did you guys see this? Someone I, I retweeted it because I thought it was funny. You saw the Glastonbury stuff, obviously, over the weekend. A lot of people would have. And just the swarm, the huge crowd, especially for the Elton John headline uh, performance. And someone took that picture and posted it. And they said, um, uh, what did they say? Uh, it, Islington in... Islington at the end of May, if Saliba had been rested against sporting or something, you know, like, you know, like just like, because yeah, that, that was it. I mean, if we had our, it, it, look, it works better as a tweet. Um, if we had our players fit for the run in, yeah, that, that would have made a big difference. And Thomas party in top form for the run in would have made a difference, but that's not what we had. So I, I think you can get better ju- just through having more availability. Right. Um, and we've seen it. Look, there were seasons that got derailed under Arsene Wenger because Robin Van Persie could only play half a season because we waited for Santi Cazorla to come back, right? I mean, Thomas Vermeilen, Thomas Rosicki, Eduardo, like you can go through it. Injured players can't help you win. And the problem is usually what you have behind the injured player isn't as good. <laughs> uh, it's very rare that the guy you have behind the injured player is just as good as the player who's out. So I think the alchemy can work. Let's leave it there. We've got 90 minutes on your question. Sorry, we didn't get to all of them. We'll have another pod on Thursday, but we'll have plenty of Patreon stuff in between now and then. And especially if there's anything announced, we'll do some stuff. Remember, Caicedo, Rice, Balogun, um, uh, Jurian Timber, Kai Havertz, all the scouting videos are up on on Patreon as well. So if you want to go there, there's really a lot there. And I, we take very, very seriously trying to make that a place where you get a lot to to choose from and enjoy while you're over there. Um, there is also SCAC, which is uh, Paul and, and Scott's branded content over there. And look, it, it exists. What more can you say about it than it exists? It is it is fun. You'll love it. Okay, uh, we'll leave it there. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Thanks, pause. Woohoo! 
There it is. Tim's on Twitter at Dominator. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. My name's Elliot Smith, the Black Man's Radio Gang Gunner. We love you and we'll talk to you after Arsenal Time Transfer. <laughs>